Welcome to Your Path to Real Wealth, where we explore how to cultivate real wealth, which is so much more than money. It's the sum quality of our values, relationships, health, sense of purpose, time, charitable giving, legacy, and more. Your path to real wealth begins now. All right. Welcome to Your Path to Real Wealth. I'm Benjamin Cummings. I'm here today with my co-host, Jeff Brimhall. How are you today? Fantastic. I'm excited for our show. Yes, I am too. We're approaching things a little differently today where we want to talk about a topic that we know that a lot of people have to make decisions about, and that's saving for retirement. So Jeff, do you want to kind of introduce our topic for today? Yeah, a common decision we have with all of our clients is what's the best way for me to save for retirement and in what accounts and then inside of those accounts in what way and there's the two common ways that are available you know the benefit of a retirement account is that there's some kind of tax advantage and there's two different main tax advantages of those accounts and one is to put the money in pre-tax and get a tax deferral on that income until you pull it out in retirement and the other is to put the money in as a Roth contribution and so that you pay the tax now and you don't uh, pay any tax again in the future. And so oftentimes clients have the question, like, what's the best way for me to contribute? Should I put money in as a pre-tax contribution? Should I put money in as a Roth? And so today we want to spend the show talking about how you decide. What do we think about as we meet with a client and look at their specific situation and create a custom plan for them? How do we make the decision for them? What is best? Should they be doing pre-tax? Should they be doing Roth? So what do you think, Benjamin? Going to be a good show today? Oh, yes. I think this is a great topic. Like this, anytime you get a new job, anytime you get a pay raise, these are all decisions that that come fresh of, well, what do I elect for my employer? Do do I put it in the pre-tax? Do I put it in the Roth? And how much? And so these are questions that come up so often as we're going about our life that uh, I think it's a great one for us to be talking about. Yeah. And the other day I was meeting with a prospective client in our office and he was wanting to retire early. I think he was 57 or 58 and he was trying to retire the next couple of years. And as he was looking at that decision, he said to me, one of the, all of the money he had saved at that point was all pre-tax. And he said, one of the things I regret is that I didn't save more money as Roth contributions. It'd be really nice as I look at retiring and starting to spend this money to have some of it saved as a Roth contribution. So hopefully as you listen to this and you can make a decision, you won't have to be on the other side looking back uh, when you're getting ready to retire and say, I wish I had done it differently. So we want to help give you the information so that you can make an intentional decision today about what's best for your situation and, or you can consult with your tax advisor or financial advisor on what may be best for you. So where does this impact? It's really just retirement accounts. And there's retirement accounts that are sponsored by companies or institutions. So 401ks, 403bs, uh, 457s, other accounts like that, most common being 401k. And then also there's the individual retirement account or individual retirement arrangement IRAs that are not associated with any kind of a company um, where you can put money in. It affects that. And then there's other types of IRAs, like simple IRAs that now allow Roth contributions and then SEP IRAs, which I believe still do not. So those are the accounts that we'll be talking about as you make this decision. Obviously, there's other ways to save, other ways to invest besides Roth and pre-tax uh, in taxable accounts and other things. But we're going to focus today on that decision for retirement accounts on Roth versus pre-tax. So as I mentioned previously, the basic difference between Roth contributions and pre-tax contributions are that on Roth, uh, you're taxed on that money in the year that you make it, even though you save it. 
So if I put $10,000 away to save for retirement, I still pay tax on that $10,000 in the year that I make it. I get no tax deferral when I put the money in. But after once I put the money in, it, it will never be taxed again. So normally on investments, as they grow, if I buy something for $100 and sell it for $200, that's called a gain. And on that $100 gain, I will pay tax when I sell. But that's not the case in a Roth. If I've contributed as a Roth, no matter what I buy, no matter what I sell, no matter how much it goes up, I will never pay tax on that again. And often on investments, you'll get interest or you'll get dividends that come in. Similar, you don't pay any tax on that income coming in as well. So it's pretty powerful if you can get money put away and then it can grow tax-free for the rest of your life and you never have to pay tax on that money again. It can be you know, a pretty attractive arrangement. A traditional IRA or a traditional contributions, pre-tax contributions, whether it's an IRA or in a company retirement account is different in the sense that when I put money in, if I save that same $10,000, then I get a tax deferral. So it's as if I didn't make that money in that year, I don't pay income tax on that $10,000. And the money goes in there and it grows tax deferred. So similarly, if I buy an investment that goes up in value, I sell it, I don't pay tax at that time. But when I go to pull the money out and spend it in retirement or whenever, at once I'm after age 59 and a half and I want to pull the money out and use it, all the money that comes out, both what I put in and any growth on that, I will pay tax on it as if I had earned the money in that year at ordinary income tax rates. I wouldn't pay any kind of payroll tax, social security, Medicare tax on it, but I would pay ordinary income tax rates on those deferrals. So it's a decision between, you know, really the key decision is when do I want to pay the taxes? Do I pay the tax now when I earn the money or do I pay the tax later when I pull the money out to use it? So that's the basic difference between Roth IRA and traditional IRA, anything, or excuse me, Roth contributions and traditional contra pre-tax contributions. Benjamin, anything to add to that? Benjamin? I think it can be tempting to say, hey, I like the tax deduction now. And so it could be really tempting just to say, hey, let's put the money in the traditional. But there are a lot of reasons why we might want to consider a Roth, even though it's going to increase our tax burden in the current year. And so I think that's one of the things that we want to make sure that we're exploring throughout our call today is recognizing that sometimes it leads to lower taxes over the course of our life, even if we have to pay more taxes this year. So just something for us to keep in mind. Yeah. And it's super hard. As humans, we prefer money today versus money in the future. It's hard for us to defer gratification. And so super tempting to get that tax deferral today and lower our taxes today, have more income in our account that we can spend today, uh, meaning our checking account that we can spend today. So yeah, good point, Benjamin, that we need to look at the big picture as we make this decision. So in order to understand this trade-off, we really need to understand uh, how tax brackets work in the United States. And so we're going to, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about taxes, but we really want to understand a couple of key terms related to how taxes work in the U.S. So in the tax system in the United States, the more money you make, uh, your tax rate increases over time. And when uh, we talk about that with people, a lot of times they get confused and they think, oh, okay, so if my income goes up, then all of a sudden my tax rate or the percentage I pay in taxes will be higher on all the money that I make. And that's not the way that it works. It's a tiered table. And so on the first chunk of money that you make, everybody in the US pays the same percent. It starts out at 10%. So you pay 10% on that first chunk of money. And then on the next chunk, you pay 12%. And then on the chunk after that, the third tier, you pay 22% and it keeps going up until it gets to 37%. And it's only on the income that you make inside of that tier that's taxed at that rate. And so when you do your taxes and you add it all up, you'll have a certain dollar amount you're paying in taxes. 
And if you divide that by your income, that's going to tell you your average tax rate. But we don't want to use the average tax rate to make decisions because you're, the decision you're making on whether or not to save as a pre-tax or Roth is not affecting you know the, those earlier brackets or the 10% or 12% bracket likely. It's affecting the last one, whatever you're in, whether that's the 22 or 35 or 37. And so we want to look at what's the marginal bracket you're in or the highest bracket that you're in. And that's what we want to consider as we're making a decision. So if we have an example here, if somebody makes $100,000 of income, then the first little bit will be taxed at 10%. The next will be taxed at 12 and the rest will be taxed at 22. So that 22% bracket is what they're going to use to make a decision on, is it better for me to do pre-tax contributions or Roth contributions? So if I am saving 10% into my employer's retirement account for my 401k, 10% of a hundred thousand would be $10,000. So now I'm deciding, okay, should I put that 10,000 in as a Roth contribution or should I put it in as a pre-tax contribution. Well, if I put it in as pre-tax, it's going to defer $10,000 worth of income that I won't be taxed on. And at the 22% tax bracket, that means I'll save 22% on that $10,000 or $2,200 in taxes. So back to Benjamin's comment earlier, you know, can I, if I can have another $2,200 today to spend on whatever I need to buy, that's powerful. And it's tempting to want to do that. And so that's the trade-off we're really talking about here. And so it's important as we go through our conversation today to understand marginal tax rates and that as my income goes up, I'm going to pay a higher and higher tax rate on that last little bit of money that I make. And we need to use that percentage as we make the decision. And again, the highest in the U.S. currently is 37%. And I think for a married couple filing jointly, I think that happens over about $630,000 or so, then you get into that highest tax bracket. You know, a, a thought to throw in here, Jeff, as we're thinking about these tax rates, I think it's helpful to think about it over the course of somebody's life. So for younger individuals, often they're earning less than they will be later in life and potentially less than they they would have pulling out in retirement. And so for younger individuals, it can be really tempting to say, hey, I'm in the 10% tax bracket that first bucket, they might say, Hey, I could really benefit rather than putting, you know, $10,000 in my account and, uh, and only, and getting a thousand paying thousand dollars in taxes, I could get that tax deduction now. Well, if they put it in the Roth, then they're paying an extra thousand in taxes, which, which can hurt when we're younger, but it can be much more advantageous if later in life tax rates are going to go up as their income goes up. And as most importantly, as they retire, if they're going to be withdrawing more money than they are early in their life, then they'd be much better off paying those taxes earlier in life rather than later in life. Yeah, great so, point. Yeah, you, just a reminder, as you're thinking about tax brackets, what marginal tax bracket you're in is going to vary throughout life. And so younger individuals who are making less money tend to be in that lower tax bracket, that it can be more advantageous to contribute to a Roth because of that. Are there some other differences, Benjamin, you want to touch on? Yeah. Let's talk about some other considerations that you need to keep in mind. So one is because Roth contributions are already taxed, specifically on a Roth IRA, for example, you can pull out those contributions anytime you need to. So it, it, specifically for a Roth IRA, if you put money in, you've already paid taxes on those dollars going in. And so if you need to access those for any reason, you could pull those back out. The growth, however, any additional earnings on 
those contributions within the Roth account, they do have restrictions on when you can pull it out. And so that's something to keep in mind is that, hey, in a Roth, you actually have access to be able to pull money out and you don't have to worry about taxes or penalties. And so it can have a little bit more flexibility in the, uh, in the account itself as compared to a pre-tax account. The other, other difference that you'd want to remember is that uh, traditional type accounts or pre-tax accounts are subject to what are called required minimum distributions or RMDs. So it used to be that RMDs started on a pre-tax account starting at age 70 and a half. And then the SECURE Act raised that to 72. And then just recently, the SECURE Act 2.0 raised that to age 73. So what that means is that if you have pre-tax dollars, the IRS has tables and guidelines about making sure that you pull out a certain amount of those uh, dollars each year in retirement. The idea is that these accounts are designed for retirement, to fund your retirement. And so they want to encourage, you know, with penalties, if you don't pull it out, they want to encourage you to pull that money out each year to actually use those funds in retirement. So that's kind of the, the design for that. But Roth accounts don't have those required minimum distributions. Or for them to get paid, right, Benjamin? I think that's what they want more is for them to get paid than you'd use your money. <laughs> Great point. Great point. Because in the Roth accounts, they've already received the tax, the tax benefit as a government, they've already been taxed. And so it, they don't care as much about when you pull it out, but they want to make sure that they get those taxes, uh, those dollars taxed when they pull them out. So yeah, great, great point. Got to make sure that we're paying taxes on the money we've earned. So that's one to keep in mind. I did mention the Secure Act 2.0 has changed some things. And so one is that it raised the required minimum distribution on those pre-tax type accounts. Uh, another thing that it changed is that employer contributions. So when your employer puts money into a retirement account on your behalf, the law has been changed to now allow for Roth contributions. So an employer can put money into a Roth type of account on behalf of their employees. And now the employees still have to pay taxes on those contributions. And so it, it's not like there's a tax benefit there, but what it means is that historically it used to be that even if as an employer, you said, Hey, I'm young, I'm in a lower tax bracket. I'd rather contribute to a Roth account. Anything that the employer matched or contributed on your behalf went into a pre-tax account that you didn't pay taxes on those dollars going in. And so now you have more flexibility uh, if the, if a plan allows, if an employer's retirement plan allows it, that you can direct those contributions, the employer's contributions to go into a Roth type of account. Yeah. And that's brand new. So employers may, may not allow it right now, but you could certainly ask them because the law currently allows it after this new change, right? Yeah. Yep. So that's a new change. Another recent change is that Roth 401ks used to have required minimum distributions as well. But now with the Secure Act 2.0, that is no longer the case. So Roth 401ks no longer have an RMD. Uh, it used to be that a lot of individuals would move a Roth 401k into a Roth IRA to avoid the required minimum distribution uh, on those accounts. Now that move isn't necessary. They don't have to have those RMDs as well. Okay, so let's also talk about contributions that we have restrictions about that we need to keep in mind. So if you're if you have access to a 401k plan or employer sponsored retirement plan, then there's limits on what you can contribute to IRAs. So for example, if you have access to a 401k plan at work, for example, then you're not able to make pre-tax contributions to an IRA if you're above certain income limits. Now you could still 
make after-tax contributions to an IRA, but that doesn't really make much sense because then you're making after-tax contributions and then it would grow tax deferred, but then you still have to pay uh, taxes when it comes out. And so really the best benefit is in those instances where you're particip or you have access to a 401k plan, uh, but you're restricted from what you can put into an IRA, you could do what are called backdoor Roth IRA contributions. So in that sense, you make an after-tax contribution to an IRA, and then you convert it from that IRA into a Roth account. So it's a way that you can contribute to a Roth IRA, uh, even though you're subject to limitations on making that contribution directly. Jeff, anything you'd add to that? No, it's something we do for almost all of our clients. You can contribute directly to a Roth IRA until you make about 214000 Once your income gets above 214000 for all of our clients we uh, who are in that situation, we help them do these backdoor Roth IRAs, which act exactly like a Roth IRA contribution with just one extra step. And we take care of that step for them. But it's a way, even though your income is high, that you can continue to take advantage of the opportunity to save you know, 13,000 a year between a couple going forward in a tax advantage way. So it's an attractive thing to do as part of your overall plan. So another consideration that we want to keep in mind is that Roth accounts have a few five-year rules that we need to keep in mind. The first that we'd want to be aware of is that the account needs to be open for at least five years before you can pull gains out of the account. And so you want to keep that in mind. The other is that con conversions, Roth conversions into a Roth account, uh, need to be in the account for at least five years before you can access those. And so there are some additional restrictions on Roth IRAs that we want to keep in mind as part of that consideration. So if you're trying to do something in the really short term, you need to have those five-year rules in mind. If you're really saving for retirement and it's years down the road, then those are less uh, relevant that you'd have to worry about. Jeff, what else do we want to cover? Yeah, let's talk about some facts. So these are some key facts that help me as I work with clients and even make decisions for myself about whether I want to save uh, as a Roth contribution or as a pre-tax contribution. And so it's interesting to think about, and you can run the numbers and this first fact, which is if the tax rates that you pay when the money goes in are the same as the tax rates that you pay when the money comes out and you adjust how much you contribute so that the total amount, including taxes and savings is the same, then there's actually no difference you end up with exactly the same after-tax income, regardless of which one you pick. So you might ask, well, why all the fuss then? Uh, it's because tax rates aren't going to be the same when you put money in and, and is when you take it out for lots of reasons. And your income level changes the government might make to tax rates and various other things and other benefits you might be receiving, which we'll talk about. So really the decision is a tax timing decision. And you know that you're going to pay tax on income that you make. And we're just trying to decide when is the best time to pay that tax. So we want to pay the taxes when we can pay the lowest marginal tax rate. Generally, we may choose to not do that. We may choose a different route just because of some of the other things we'll discuss now. But generally, that's the idea is let's if, we have, if we're paying a lower tax rate now than we will in retirement, then let's do the Roth. If we're paying a higher tax rate now than we will in retirement when we pull the money out, let's do the pre-tax. It can be that simple, but there's a lot of other considerations as well. One benefit of the Roth, the government doesn't adjust. I said, in order for it to be the same outcome, you have to adjust how much you're saving to account for the taxes being paid, but the government doesn't make that adjustment. So they set their limits the same for either pre-tax or Roth contributions. So for IRAs in 2023, the contribution limit is 6,500. If you're under the age of 50, 
And so they set that limit for pre-tax or Roth. But if I, I save 6,500 as a Roth, I'm actually saving more because I'm not only saving the money, I'm also paying the taxes now. Whereas with pre-tax, I'm saving 6,500, but a portion of that will be taxed later. And so I'm effectively saving less. Same thing with a 401k. I can save up to 22,500 if I'm under 50 in a 401k in 2023, whether it's Roth or pre-tax. So by making Roth contributions, you're effectively able to save more based on the way that the government has set up the limits, making them the same. The other fact is that in retirement, when you start pulling this money out, as I said, the pre-tax contributions count as income. That income will go on your tax return as taxable income, and that will affect your adjusted gross income on your tax return. And your adjusted gross income affects how all your benefits in retirement are taxed. So social security, if you make under a certain limit, isn't taxed at all. 0% tax on social security. If you're above a, uh, if you're in the middle, a half of your benefit is taxed as if it's income. And if you're above the limits, then 85% of your benefit is taxed as if it's income. So your decision on pre-tax versus Roth retirement savings can also ultimately affect how much your social security benefit is taxed based on what you have to pull out to live on in retirement. And it can affect how much you pay in Medicare Part B premiums because Part B premiums are determined based on your income level. So if all your money is, say, pre-tax, you're pulling out pre-tax income in order to live on, that could bump up your income level and cause you to pay a higher Medicare Part B premium and cause you to pay more tax on your Social Security benefit. You know, Jeff, thanks for highlighting those things. I think one of the ways that I like to think about that are what we call hidden taxes. It's the things that we don't think about when we're talking about normal income taxes. And so we might be saying, well, hey, I think my income now versus retirement is going to be about the same. Maybe it doesn't make much of a difference whether I do it in the traditional or the Roth. But I think these are good ones to remember that there's kind of hidden impacts that if we increase our retirement in the future, we might say, well, I think income will be about the same. And so we might say, hey, I'd rather have the tax deduction now. Well, but then you have these hidden taxes where Social Security benefits could be more taxable, your Medicare premiums could be higher in retirement that we aren't necessarily thinking about when we're making that comparison. So that, those are great points to keep in mind. Yeah. And we can think about just a start. Most people, it's not all of one or all of the other. But if you just imagine a world where you have one person who saved all of their money in Roth accounts, so it's all already been taxed, and another person who saved all in pre-tax, the person who saved everything in the Roth, they pull out of that to live on. None of their social security benefit will be taxed and they're paid the lowest possible Medicare Part B premium. And so they could effectively live throughout retirement and pay no income tax for the rest of their life. Whereas the person who saved all in pre-tax, uh, if they need to pull out enough and that pushes them above certain levels, then they'll be paying tax on what they pull out, tax on their social security benefit and a, potentially a higher Medicare Part B premium. So those hidden taxes become very not hidden when you start to pay them in retirement. Yeah. So for most people, though, they don't have one, all of one or all the other. They have some of both. And that becomes a nice planning tool for us as you as they get into retirement of where do we want to pull the money from in this year? How do we manage distributions over time? Often we save the Roth uh, money for last because it can grow tax free for their entire life and potentially be passed off to their heirs tax free. But we can pull from either one depending on the year and how it might affect the taxation of their Social Security, et cetera. So it's nice to have that diversification. And then historical tax rates in the U.S. you know, have varied a lot. We didn't used to have any income taxes in the U.S. until early 1900s. And then since then, they've varied where the highest rate has gone from anywhere from like 28% all the way up to like 95%. Currently, the highest rate is 37%. And so relatively low compared to sometimes in the past. And 
Um, it's there's a provision in place that if no law is changed in 2025, those rates will bump back up to what they were before they were lowered a few years ago. And so given that where current tax rates are, that they're relatively low compared to some historical rates, there have been times when it's been lower uh, and we have a lot of debt in our country. And so there's this motivation to potentially raise tax rates. That could be another reason why somebody might choose to say, hey, I'm just going to pay the taxes now at the current tax rates, regardless of my income, get it taken care of. And so I never have to pay tax on it again. Yeah, those are great points, Jeff. You know, one of the things that I like to think about as I'm wrestling with this is do we do uh, Roth or do we do pre-tax? Part of it is we're thinking about, well, if we're, if we're somewhat indifferent, then we can say, hey, well, rates now are lower than they will be likely be after 2025. And so let's lean towards the Roth. That could be a reason to lean towards the Roth. Or like you said, hey, rarely are we going to be all Roth or all traditional. And so looking also at your accumulated balance can be a way to say, well, I don't know if I should do Roth or traditional, traditional meaning pre-tax. Well, then maybe it depends on how much you already have accumulated. And if you already have a whole bunch in one kind, then maybe you would find some benefit in in accumulating some assets in the other type of, of account. So those are some other considerations kind of to, to keep in mind. Uh, you know, some others that I think are good for us to hit on, some other considerations as we're making this decision is that, uh, you know, we want to think about also the fact that our pre-tax accounts have those required minimum distribution requirements in the end. And so if we're saving a lot, if we're like aggressive savers and we say, hey, yes, I love this. I want to save a lot for retirement. Well, we want to be mindful of the fact that eventually we could end up saving more than we end up needing in retirement. And so if we're starting to think about passing on to our heirs, well, then we might be in a situation where we kick our RMDs to a higher level than we actually end up needing in retirement. So then it's kind of like we're forced to have a higher income in retirement than we'd actually intended simply because we accumulated so much in our pre-tax account. So I think that's another one to keep in mind is be aware of those RMDs at the tail end uh, in retirement when we're contributing so that we aren't accumulating too much in that type of account and maybe want to be contributing more to the Roth. So that, that could be another reason uh, to keep that in mind. Um, if we're passing on a retirement account to heirs, certainly a Roth account is a lot less uh, hassle for heirs. Now, uh, under the last Secure Act, heirs to these type of accounts, they have 10 years to pull it out of the account. And so the nice thing of a Roth is that they can leave it in for that full 10 years and then pull the full balance out without any tax ramifications. Instead, if it's a pre-tax account, if you pass that to heirs, well, then they have to pay taxes when they pull money out and it'll be at their marginal tax rate. And so then they have to think about over that 10-year window, you know, if, if that's the situation that applies and get into those details here, but if they've got 10 years to pull it out, they have to think about, well, what impact is it going to have on my marginal tax rate? I don't want to just wait till the 10th year, pull it out all out, and then have a huge bump in my taxable income that year and have to pay a much higher tax rate. So it takes a lot more planning for heirs to think about how to distribute from those types of accounts in, in that 10-year window that they might have. So that's another one to think about and why a, a Roth might be a good option. Another thing that we would want to think about is that because the Roth doesn't have RMDs, that can be a motivation to say, hey, I maybe I have enough. Maybe I have a pension from some of my work. Maybe Social Security is going to be adequate. Maybe I have other income sources in retirement that I don't necessarily need more in the traditional. And so I want to lean more towards the Roth. Jeff, anything you'd add on these? 
No, I think, you know, this emotional consideration that when you look at your account balance and let's say I have $500,000 saved in my account and it's all Roth, well, all 500,000 of that is mine. And when I pull it out, it all goes to me. If all that, if instead I have an account that's all pre-tax contribution, there's 500,000 in there, then I shouldn't, when I look at that $500,000 balance, I should do a mental uh, adjustment and say, well, only 400,000 of that is mine or 350,000 of that is mine. And the rest is the IRS's. If I pulled all that out today, I wouldn't get to keep it all. Uh, a big chunk would go to the, the US government, the treasury. And so that, you know, it's more of an emotional consideration than, you know, a numerical one. But something to keep in mind that, you know, the, when you look at a Roth balance, it is all going to you or your heirs. If you look at a pre-tax balance, you have a partner in your retirement account who gets you know, somewhere between 27 and 37, 42% of your account when you pull it out. So that's something to keep in mind. Yeah, great, great reminder on that. Thank you. You know, one other consideration that I'd throw out is uh, that can be overlooked is that often when we're making this decision of, well, what are my tax rates now? versus what am I expecting them in retirement? For married couples, this is really important because we might be looking at, well, what's our married filing jointly tax bracket now? And we're thinking about that in retirement. But really, if we're thinking about the Roth accounts, that's the money that we're going to use last often when we're uh, single, maybe we're a widow or a widower. And so at the end of our life is when we're likely using those Roth assets uh, when we're single. And so then we're in the single tax bracket. So we want to be thinking not just about what our current married filing jointly tax bracket is and what that will be in retirement, but depending on when in retirement, we're going to be pulling that money out. We might need to be thinking about, well, what's the single tax bracket that I'd be looking at later in life. And that could also be an indication to say, hmm, based on that comparison, maybe I should be paying more in the Roth because my married filing jointly tax bracket is going to be lower than what my single tax bracket will be uh, later in retirement. Yeah. And those are about half or in many cases, exactly half. And so what that means is for the same level of income, if you're single versus married, your tax rate could potentially be twice as much or you know, one and a half times more by filing a single tax return as opposed to married filing joint. So that can make a huge impact and make the outcome much different than you thought if you're planning on it being filed as a married filing jointly. So great um, thing to consider there. So in summary, we have a couple of key points. If you're young and you're paying low to no income taxes, then it's, you know, not even a question. You should be doing Roth. If you're paying low to no income taxes, because your income level or tax credits definitely be putting money away in a Roth. There's a, this great strategy for parents who have a business to pay their kids, pay them enough that they can be putting money in from the time they're young, you know, five, six, seven years old, if they're doing work for the business and they're putting money in as a Roth, they're not getting taxed at all. So they're not getting taxed on the front end and it's growing tax-free all their life. Same thing applies to anyone else. If their income is low and their tax rates are, you know, if you're in the 10 to 12% bracket, I would always say do the Roth, Pay the tax now. You'll likely never pay a lower tax rate. Get it out of the way. Uh, another key point is if you're already maxing out your 401k, you have enough money and even you want to save more, do the Roth because you are able to save more. You're not only saving, but you're paying the taxes now. Even if you're in a higher marginal bracket, you can do the Roth and effectively have more tax preferred savings because uh, the limits are the same. So if you have a high income and you want to max out your benefits, Roth is a way to be able to save more than pre-tax. If you expect your retirement income to be higher than your current income, you should do the Roth. If you're concerned about future tax rate increases and the government having control over this money you've saved and you not having control over what your tax rate is, do the Roth. 
If you want to diversify your taxation for future withdrawals, so you have some Roth and some pre-tax and everything's pre-tax right now, do the Roth. So these are all things that we consider as we work with people in making this decision. And we know it's an important decision. It's one, like we said, can affect your social security taxation in the future. It can affect your Medicare premium pay payments in the future. It can affect how much you have to pull out. You know, if I want to live on 150,000 a year in retirement and everything's in pre-tax, well, I have to pull out 200,000 or maybe 210,000 so I can pay my taxes and then have enough left over to live on. If I have it all saved as a Roth, I only have to pull out what I need to live on. And so it's a big impact on the future planning that we do for our clients and something we want to help you make sure that you're making the most informed decision possible for your situation. And hopefully this has all been helpful information. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I hope so too. I hope that what we've been able to provide has been helpful. We know it can be complex. It can be confusing. We love geeking out over this. And so we love trying to wrestle with, you know, which seems to make the most sense. So if you've got questions, please come find us. Uh, you know, our website, bluebarnwealth.com is the best place uh, to come and find us and get a hold of us. We'd love to be able to help wrestle these kinds of questions with anybody that's still wondering what sort of thing do I do? Which path should I be pursuing? You know, the other thing to throw out there is that there's a lot of nuances that we can't really cover in this kind of an episode. And so we want to be mindful that there are circumstances that, that some of these, uh, some of the things that we've talked about may not apply. And so we just want to be, be, uh, be mindful of that. And so that can also be helpful that if you're feeling confused, it's understandable because uh, the tax code can be very confusing. But we do hope, we hope this has been helpful to provide a, a, some context in making these difficult decisions that do come up, especially when we change jobs and have changes in income and need to make these decisions. So please, if you like the show, please uh, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please share with your friends. Find us on uh, bluebarnwealth.com if you'd like to get a hold of us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Your Path to Real Wealth from Blue Barn Wealth. If you like what you heard, please share it with your friends and click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and any guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Blue Barn Wealth. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for personalized investment advice. Because everyone's situation is unique, always seek the advice of a qualified financial professional with any questions you may have.